Hey everybody and welcome back to Doers of the Word podcast. Um, you know, James one twenty two, the Bible tells us to be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. I got a very special guest in the studio with me today. Um, we're going to be talking about the impact of addiction that it had on his life. Uh, Brother Jason Peterson with us in studio. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brother Emery. Hey man, it's good to have you here with us. We're going to be talking a little bit, David, about... Um, this series we're doing on the impact addiction. I know drugs, from you and I was talking, drugs was not really the main center of your addiction. It was alcohol. But um, when did you start going down that road with alcohol addiction? Um, I can say that it started at a really young age uh, to the fact that I was about four years old and um, drinking, taking my the beers off the table, half-empty beers that my dad had. And, uh, and sipping it, and I can still, it's amazing a lot of people are like, how can you remember that? I can remember it very vividly. It's, I can't remember what I ate yesterday, but I can remember <laughs> things like that. Um, and I, I liked how it took everything away. And um, I, I just, I believe, I mean, that's, it started at a very, very young age. And by eight years old, I was at family functions and I was filling soda cans with liquor and beer. So, I mean, obviously knew that it was doing something to me and I enjoyed it and I liked it. So uh, to be that young, to be doing that and being sneaky about it, you know what I mean? um, What age was that, David, that that, uh, you started drinking that young? uh, I was eight years old. Eight years old. When I really started actually knowing, knowing that it was doing something. Wow, man. You actually mentioned there um, it took everything away. What exactly was it that was taken away? Um, Most of all, I would say a broken heart. Uh, I suffered at a young age from being just, I I just, I couldn't stand how people treated people, uh, treated each other. Uh, I mean, my... My mother and my father were, uh, they loved each other and they, they had arguments and stuff, but like in our family, it was very tight knit, but anything outside the family, it was always something hateful that I heard coming out of people's mouths. I never heard anything good or of love. And I just, I, I know now that I've always had a big heart and that was, that's what I suffered from. I didn't know that I couldn't answer that a few years ago, but after being in God and realizing, I think that's, that's literally what opened the gate for everything. It's just, I just, I suffered from a broken heart. Um, and I couldn't stand this world without having something to numb it and not have a feeling about what people say or what they're doing and just let it be. Or uh, the, the courage to be able to put my foot down and tell somebody like, look, I don't, I don't want to hear it. And I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want no part of it. You know, stand up for myself because I was very small too, um, and I think that's also something that that short man syndrome they say. You know, what I mean, I just I when I was drinking, I didn't take crap from nobody, and I, I enjoyed that feeling because people stopped messing with me. And I mean, it's not even that they were being like trying to hurt me or anything, but the comments, you know, what I mean, they would say, you know, I mean, being a little guy and everything like that, I just didn't like it. And it was, it was joking and poking fun of them, but I didn't like it and it was hurtful to me. Sure, absolutely. So, so the, the attitude there was kind of like, this is your world, everybody else just a participant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was there, I know. Yeah. Um, I know that broken heart, because of that broken heart, you was drinking. Well, what do you feel like the main thing was, David, that actually led you to this addiction that becomes such a monster in your life? 
I know that's a tough one. Yeah, it is a hard one. Um, I really, uh, anger. God, I was angry. It's, angry uh, at God, or was angry, you angry at uh, just pretty much life? I didn't know much about God growing up. I mean, uh, my my grandmother went and stuff like that, and uh, was never really taught anything, so I wasn't raised in church, but. Uh, it was also a fellow told me one time, he said, how can you hate something that you don't believe? And then I, so I, I would say, yes, it was once I got to a little bit of more of a mature age, I, it was anger towards God, uh, anger towards this world, um, just wanted to be left alone, but at the same time, not left alone. So it was like stuck between a rock and a hard place <clears throat> in the middle ground. And then especially after my parents got sick and losing friend after friend, it was just like, why? I, I just that constant question why if you're you're this or you're that and you're such a good god then why do you keep taking everything that i love in this world yeah so it was uh and the only thing that i was left with was that bottle and the bottle never turned me away at that moment that's how i felt and never turned me it was always there for me in the good the bad the ugly um it always it, it comforted me as my god comforts me now and i'm not afraid to say that because that's it was for me for a long time it was comfort and it was a I got a piece from it. Right, absolutely. And I think uh, when you guys visited the church one time, you and I had the conversation about you was in the Army, I think, if I remember correctly. The Air Force. Air Force, okay. Um, the alcohol actually played into that when you was trying to get things right and doing having a good career. The action, the alcohol actually almost took that away from you, didn't it? Yes, it, uh, it did. Um, when I was in the military and uh, – the Air Force, uh, my MOS was aerospace structural engineering. I worked on the Predator and the drone planes. Um, something that I wanted to play the blame game then because uh, they tried to help me. And I said, well, my dream got worse. I was trying to do everything right and did good for a while. But once I got stationed at home at the base that I was at, Dover Air Force Base, and everything, it just, and the drinking on base and causing raising cane and everything like that, they could only take so much and put up with so much. Uh, it did end up leading to um, an erroneous honorable discharge, uh, but it was my time up and like I wasn't able to sign for more years or anything like that. And like I said, they tried to help me, but I, j I was like, I ain't got a problem because I paid my bills. Everything is, I was taught growing up, I had a, had a house, had a vehicle, had all my bills paid, uh, went to work every day. Um, so at that time, it was like, well, this is what a man does. It works hard every day and gets their drink, but my drinking wouldn't go to an outrageous stage. It, was, uh, it wasn't just a, something to take the edge off. It was to totally just black out from this world, and then the, another Jason would come out. I mean, it was like Jacqueline Hyde. It's, and, that's, uh, and they say, which one's the, the bad guy is Jacqueline Hyde, Dr. Jacqueline or Hyde? Well, really, it's Dr. Jackal because he knew what he was doing when he was putting that into a system, just as I know what I was putting into my system, who I was going to turn into because I was old enough to know better. Hey, man. Did you feel that the that you didn't have a problem? You mentioned you didn't think you had a problem. Um, did you ever feel like um, this is isolating you from everybody? Did you ever think that... Uh, that um, people just didn't want to be around you for that, or how did you see? How did you see yourself? Uh, yes, I mean it went from being the the life of the party, and then as we grow up and stuff, uh, it was. You know, I mean, this is just 
it's not cool anymore. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not fun. We're not uh, being a daredevil, doing all this kind of stuff, just being crazy. Uh, you know, what I mean, like a truth or dare sense, and dare me to do anything, and I do it. Uh, and then you tell me I'm, I can't do something. I'm going to do it. It's like you tell me don't push that red button. I'm going to. I'm going to push it a thousand times. Uh, but yeah, it got to a point where um, I think that feeling of not wanting to be around people again. It was isolate me, and then I just felt lonely, but I didn't want to be around people. I just wanted to work, come home, to me and my bottle, drink, and go go to sleep and go to work. And it was just going through phases of life, and it was it was just drinking to get by. Uh, like, because I was, to be totally honest, I was too scared and too, uh, I didn't have the strength to, to end my own life. I didn't, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't do it. I, I tried and had a gun there sitting many a times. Um, and just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, there was points I put it in my mouth and I just, but I couldn't do it. And I believe that now is this God wasn't yeah. allowing me to pull that trigger because he said he wasn't finished with me yet. Amen. That's exactly right. You, you that, and that's a sad part, David, to be at that point to where you feel like nobody cares. Uh, the anger, everything, the disappointments of life is crashing around you, and you feel hopeless. Like this is it, guys. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and end it. What was your thoughts? What was you actually? What these people that's listening? When you're listening to David here, I want you to listen to what he's telling you. If you're if you're struggling with alcohol or suicide or whatever, listen to this story right here, David. What was going through your mind? That I, I just wanted, I wanted the pain to stop. Wanted everything to end. I was just, uh, I was tired. At even such a young age, I was tired. Um, I'd given up hope in people, in myself, most of all. Um, I lost both my parents. Uh, my, my other family, they tried, but you know, I mean, it wasn't their fault. They tried, and uh, you know, what I mean, they had to keep their distance. Um, because all I was doing is continue to hurt them. And uh, I know now that they would rather deal with that hurt from a distance instead of a constant hurt of me coming around and doing something and seeing me that way in that shape. Uh, I just felt like that uh, there was, I, I felt like my body wasn't, uh, it wasn't me anymore. I felt like I was outside my body and I just wanted to Wanted to just end it, and and not only end the pain for me, for other people. Uh, I feel like just the pain of my death would be a lot better than having to continue them see me ruin myself. And and how I was even still alive at that point was only by the God's grace. Um, and I, I was, I, I at one point I was praying for the strength to be able to pull that trigger. And, and I mean, I drank and drank and still couldn't get to that point and if I did I blacked out so I wasn't no longer and how I never did it while I was blacked out I don't know it's I do know it's God Amen. So there's, that's the only answer for that um, I was empty soulless what was that empty feeling what do you think it was, it was the devil inside me uh, he had his grips and he was ready to pull me down to the pits of hell um and he knew he had me there on that brink, but I have a God that's, that's stronger. You know, uh, Amen. And I have a God that, that uh, he has no barrier, no grip on. And even when I had my back turned, he still wasn't going to allow the devil to take me there because he knew who Jason really was. That's exactly right. Uh, before I knew who I was. Amen. 
Well, we got an old saying about God, right? Yeah, but God. That's Amen. Right. Amen. Um, what do you feel like, David, uh, physical effects? What do you think the alcohol has had on you over? Well, I know you've been you've been out for a long time yeah. now, but what effects did it have on you? So I can say number one though, I'm truly blessed in that factor because I mean when I've worked in recovery and I see how people have aged and they're I thought they were ten years older than me and two years younger. And even the amounts that I drank compared to theirs and not saying any kind of bragging about it, but like it's, it just, it baffles me. Um, and then, uh, also seeing how them age, I mean, between, but all that aside, um, I've had injuries as accidents. Um, I had a shattered pelvis. Um, I've had multiple fractures in the right leg. Um, I've had, con um, Congestive heart failure. I've had in, uh, intestinal colitis. Uh, I've had ulcers, kidney stones, and and all of it is is a product of my drinking. Uh, whether it was you know I mean internally or externally because I did something stupid to cause a fracture or something like that. Um, uh, my, my I mean my thought process isn't as to the capacity of what it should be, um, and the, uh, but it is. It's, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be as coherent and, uh, and as intelligent that I am, uh, uh -huh. because, uh, that frontal cortex that it affects as well is, uh, is your decision making and everything else, which I believe when I was still in addiction by constantly keeping my brain soaked with the liquor running through my veins, it, it, it wouldn't allow me to heal until it was out of my system. And then Lord, the Lord could start to truly heal me and work on me the way that he saw fit. And that's got you to the point you're at today. Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. What, um, we talked about um, the effects as far as your health goes. Socially, what did alcohol, how did alcohol play into your life at that point? Um, socially, it's, uh, nobody wanted to be around me uh, because, and I, for some reason, I, I definitely didn't like being around men uh, because I, I just... I don't know where, I still to this day don't know really where that anger come from. From men, I don't know if it's from being little and people mess with me or something. And it's still, I, which I don't anymore, but, uh, it's, and I've just kind of given it, there's no reason to try to find something that, that's no longer there for people. Right. Uh, but I just, um, and, uh, socially, I didn't want to be around anybody after, after my parents passed, uh, and I moved out to Memphis, Tennessee to be around my brother. And it, it just, it made me hate people more. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee was, it was, it was a, a blessing and a curse. But in the blessing that I, I found recovery there, I, I found out there was help for people like me. And I, the way I was raised, I didn't know that there was help out there. It was you just take care of it as a man, keep going, or you just quit. But it wasn't that simple for me to just quit, or I would have a lot earlier. Um, but socially, I mean, my jobs, I, I couldn't carry, keep a job, my friendships that, that I couldn't even create new friendships because most of my long lasting ones or childhood ones, they were all dead. Um, I, I think I can only count two of my, uh, that I actually grew up with that, that are still alive that were, I mean, there and I still talk to, um, I could, I couldn't hold relationships. Uh, so therefore couldn't start a family. Uh, and eventually all of those things, not holding a job, it led the whole led the homelessness, and then uh, the people that I came friends with were were, uh, were not the right people. 
But at the same time, with that said, people that were struggling with the same things that I did and were lost. And I mean, when you have that, those chemicals and stuff in your body, it's not you. You no longer are who you really are meant to be. It's, it's, you've, you've been taken over until you surrender. It's, Amen. When you left, was it Delaware? Is that right? Yes. Okay, when you left Delaware going to Memphis, was you trying to escape the monster, but found out when you got there that the monster was already there before you? Yes, absolutely. I couldn't have put it better words myself. Uh, it, actually, in my testimony that I give, uh, it was I was running. Uh, I thought that maybe a new place, fresh start. It was uh, that okay, and it, it worked for about six months, and then then uh, then Jason, that monster came back in. Mm. Not Jason, that monster yeah. came back in, and. Uh, and, uh, and then that's when I realized, well, I'm never going to get away from this. And that's when the suicidal stuff started to kick in, too. It was just I had come to terms this is who, I'm, who I am, and it's never going to change. Uh, and the alcohol isn't killing me quick enough. But it was the only thing that I could had the courage to do because I, I, I didn't have the courage to, to pull the trigger. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then once again, even then, in uh, Memphis, I was there for about five years. Um, and then I went to Nashville. I was running again. Um, once again, things went great for about a year this time. And then eventually, the, it just came came back. It just, because everything at that time, that when I was good for that six months or year, I was filling with his, uh, things of this world, not the Lord. Uh, and that, it's a big hole that's inside of us addicts. That need to be filled, and there's nothing in this world that can fill it. I can tell you that much. Except? Except God. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Amen. That's exactly right. Um, what effects, David, do you feel like uh, that your addiction had on your family? Um, I know a lot of people out there has had that particular question. There's families that are have addicts right now in their family. Yeah. A lot of people focus on the addict, and we should, but never... A lot of people don't think of how their use affects the family. Right. So let's talk about that, if you don't mind. How? Yes. What do you feel like that was? Um, so my family, uh, both sides, was riddled with alcohol and drugs, but um, there was also um, a lot of them that weren't. So, you know, I mean, you had that good and evil, but, like, even out of all of them, I was considered the black sheep, the, the worst one, uh, which that, that hurt, but, it, I mean, it was the truth. Um but that's something with my family, they pushed, uh, no, they didn't push me away. I pushed them away. Um, I think it affected my mother the worst because she saw, and my dad, he just wanted better for me than what he put himself through. Um, but my mom, I, I took her peace of mind on her deathbed. She was more worried about me than she was herself. Uh, that was something that was a hard thing that I've dealt with. And up until maybe about a year ago, I hadn't fully dealt with and got closure. And uh, that's that leads me to going back to Delaware after my uh, my brother's uh, my half brother Eric's death, um, which uh, was a blessing in a way. He knew that I needed to get back to Delaware, and uh, I mean God called him home, and and that was the way it got me back. And uh, families got to see instead of on Facebook, they got to see answered prayers. Amen. In life and in person. They they saw my especially my aunt Alice. Um, she broke down. She because uh, you can see on Facebook, but a lot of people can hide stuff. And, and, and to see me and her actually see me intellectually, 
and talking and how how positive I was, how hopeful I was. It just, you know, I mean, it, uh, I know that she was one of the ones that prayed for me the most. Amen. My mom's sister. Uh, and for so long, I thought that they hated me or they blamed me because, you know, I mean, I put my mom through that worry and stuff when she was sick. But they they, they uh, made it apparent to me that they said, no, you know, I mean, we, we just wanted better for you. We didn't think you were any worse of a person. You were going through pain, hurtful things. Yeah. You just chose to deal with it in a different way. And praise God, when I went back, I didn't have a touch of alcohol either. For my brother passing away, I was able to speak in front of, uh, be there for his funeral, number one, because I wouldn't be able to go back if I was still in addiction. Wouldn't have had the money to. Um, so I was able to get up in front of my family, talk about that, and it was, uh, and I believe it was an inspiration for a few of my nephews. Amen. Because it, it's, it's getting worse and worse for the youth. Yes, it is. Tough. Totally agree with you. I know um, I'm here in studio with Jason, and you could tell by his emotion when he was talking about visiting, going back to Delaware. Let's talk about that just a minute, Jason. I mean, what was you feeling when when they was telling you these things? I know, and, I, and, I, and I'm seeing Jason right now. He's real emotional. But let's talk about that if you don't care, because I know people listening probably feeling the same thing. Let's talk about those emotions. What was you feeling? So the emotions when I went back to Delaware. When they um, was telling you the things there at the funeral home. I was, uh, I felt like, um, there was at a point I felt like I had let them down. Uh, and that was, that was the devil trying to creep in. Like I, all these bad things, like I was, I let them down. I should have been there more. I should have came back and been there for my family because my mom was like the rock, that cement that held everything together. Like they didn't have the family barbecues like they used to. Like my mom was just that, that, that one, that rock. I mean, uh, and I just feel like that I that I let them down. But then, but God, but God, uh, they started talking about with it because this was just stuff going through my head. They right. they didn't say nothing or hint nothing towards that. They were just constantly congratulating me and saying praise God and, and just like, because they know that's the only thing that could have done it for me or turned me to the person that I am today. Amen. There's no human force that could do that, including myself. As many times I tried to run on myself and do it, it just, it didn't work. But uh, the, for a moment there, it was an emptiness and I, I just felt like I had let everybody down, but that's that's not the case. It was uh, It was totally opposite. Um, they knew, and I didn't know this, but they knew that I had to get away to find what I had found uh, because I would have never found it at home. And, and I probably wouldn't have made it uh, if I had stayed in Delaware. Um, and I, as much as I was dreading going back, I was happy to go back because I got to visit my parents' uh, gravestone and get that closure. Amen. To sit there and apologize to my mother uh, and, and just talk to her and know that she was right there listening like I, I had no doubt I could feel her there I know where she I know where they're at and I take comfort in that and uh I really it's crazy how I, I had a moment to feel so close to to someone that's that's been gone since 2014 and my my dad since 2007 I felt like they were right there with their arms wrapped around me amen when you were sitting there, David, let's stay there just a minute. When you were sitting there at, at that uh, at the graveyard, yeah. what 
what happened that caused that release to happen? I mean, if you don't mind me asking, I know this is emotional, I can see it, but what, what was that feeling? Like the, what caused me to have that release? You know, when you were sitting there at the gravestone, you're sitting there with your parents, you felt their yeah. presence. I know you felt God there with yeah. you. What happened instantly that you was like, oh man, finally, I'm able to lay this down? If it have, is just one thing. No, it's, well, it would be, I would have to say that I heard my mother and father say, it's okay, I love you, I understand. <laughs> That, 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 those three things I heard. Amen. Clear as day. Amen. And that was a game changer right then. Yes. That release happened. Yeah. And then the smile came back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And that and that allows you to leave the graveyard like, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. Because it was it was one of the things that was that was continuing to hold me back in my recovery because I could, I hadn't got that closure and release and felt like it was okay, but I heard it clear today. Amen. Praise God. I know David. There's a lot of folks that listen to the to the podcast. Um, if someone's listening right now, that's in active addiction. What advice? What words of wisdom? What do? You, what's the message? And please take your time. What's the message that that one that's listening right now, what do you want to say to them? First, I want to say that you're not alone. Um, And uh, I know it's cliche, but don't give up before the miracle happens. Um, Give yourself a pat on the back because you've made it this far. Because there's a lot who haven't made it this far. Amen. And if you're still living and breathing and you're listening to this right now, there's still hope. And I'm telling you, it is never too late. Uh, I stayed away for 10 years and stayed out there for 10 more years trying to find a different way. There isn't a different way. You need the love of Jesus, and you need it, which you already have that. You need to surrender to him and accept that love. And learn to love yourself because he's forgiven you and you need to forgive yourself until you fully forgive yourself and know that he has forgiven you there I don't see where it's possible to move forward with your life to break that that breakthrough is one of the ones that will set you on your way to changing everything Um, I want you to know that it's possible even though Right now, you may not think it and you don't feel it. Uh, I wouldn't have thought a year ago I'd be sitting right where I'm at talking about this right now and working at the job that I'm at. But God God. can do anything in all things. Um, Just don't give up. And if you... I know that you don't want to talk to anybody if you're in isolation or you're not... There's nobody that understands, but there is people that understands. And reach out, whether it's through prayer to him or just a person. And it could be some random person. There's all kinds of numbers. There's all kinds of ways to reach out to people. And just because one may not be what you wanted to hear or something or they didn't come for you, keep trying. Don't give up because just like me with churches, I'm... 
I was shunned away from God for a while because I tried to take that route and I was in the wrong church. I, it wasn't that God was wrong. I just, I went to the wrong church and wasn't around people who carried love in their heart for who I was as a person, not what I've done. And that's, that's really what I, I got to say to you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's perfect. What, um, what do you want to say to the families out there, David, that's don't know how to approach their child. They're, the child's angry, discontentment, and, you know, disgruntled at the parents when it's really not that. It's the drugs or alcohol that's doing that. But what, what do you want to say to the families of these addicts? Um, so that's, that's a good question, uh, Brother Emery. Um, first off, you can't push them into anything. Uh, you can't be forceful about anything. And you want to come in with an understanding that it's, it's not your choice for you to make for them to get their life right. It, it's, the end all is be all is their choice because if you force them or go another route, and it's, then they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for something alternative. And then that's, it's not going to be long lasting. Uh, it's not going to work. It may work for, like I was saying earlier, six months to a year. But it's, it's not going to be that long-lasting. And you need to come in with the fact that, like I said with my, my mother and father at the graveyard, that it is okay. You're not a bad person. And to, tell, to let them know they're not a bad person, try to understand, instead of being biased and one-sided as a parent, to see where they're coming from and really try to get to the root what's causing them and show genuine interest, not just to shun them, you know, to tell them they're doing wrong or this and that, because there's obviously something that they are going through emotionally and physically, spiritually, I mean, in all aspects that something is causing. Because what it really boils down to is addiction is self-medicating because there is something that is wrong, whether it's past, present, future, or all the above. You need to come in with understanding and, and a, a kindness and consideration that they're a human being, not just your child, and they're doing wrong. That they got something going on, and you want to help them, not force them. Ask them what you can do for them. What can what can I do for you to help change the way you're feeling or what's going on? That's solid. That's solid advice. <clears throat> what? Well, uh, let's before we get into the next segment here. What warning signs? can parents look for? Maybe the child's not ready to tell them their addiction. Maybe they are not ready to come out and say, look, man, I got a problem. Or maybe they're just experimenting with drugs. What, did, what warning signs can you give parents, David, that would allow them to zero in on, hey, look, man, my child's got something going on? Um, so definitely uh, sleeping habits. Uh, I mean, it's sleep deprivation uh, that, uh, that comes along with... Um, Darkness under the eyes, uh, weight, a lot of weight uh, gain and loss. Um, eating habits, if they're not eating, um, very irritable. Those would be your physical signs and stuff like that. But um, if they are distancing themselves for you, from you, do not try to pressure into them and automatically go off and say they're doing something because um, that's one of the quickest ways they're going to go do something. Uh, is because 
almost every child I've ever met, including myself, that has a rebellious side to them, and especially the world we live in today. Um, but it's it's not few and far between. But I can tell you this: just try to be involved in your kid's life instead of just putting them in front of a video game. Um, and when you talk to them, don't talk down to them. Talk with them. Uh, but if they're if they're pushing away from you, don't automatically think it's drugs or alcohol either, because there may not be to that extent. It may be you need to take a step back and look at yourself and check how you're going to them. Amen. Uh, it's a approach. I know a lot a lot of it has to do with approach. People that working in recovery, it's, it's approach, uh, and it's kind of feeling out that person, just talking to them and and seeing how you can get them to open the door to be like, okay, I know you're here to help me and not scold me. Um, but it's, uh, but uh, I mean, a lot of it is with the drugs nowadays, you will see it in a physical appearance if it's, you know what I mean, in, in their uh, yeah, irritability and physical appearance, you will see it usually because uh, the harder drugs are being used today and that's, that's methamphetamine and fentanyl and everything like that. It's not as much marijuana anymore. It's a, uh, it's it's hard drugs, and the, even if they're trying to hide it, you'll still be able to tell if you're paying attention to your child. I hate to say it, but stop putting it in front of a video game. Take some time and talk to them. Amen. And like I said, don't talk down to them. Talk <clears throat> with them. That's exactly right. So, Amen. That's solid, David. Thank you. Now I want to transition. All of the things that that we've shared today has, has had you on this journey. That's taken you to the place that you're at now. So let's transition. I want to talk about grace now. Okay. I want you to tell everybody what grace is. Uh, you that's listening, if you you have a child in addiction, you've tried rehab, you've tried this. I want Jason to expound on what goes on at grace, what grace is. Because listen to me very carefully. There is hope for your child. There's hope for you. Amen. If you're listening in addiction, there is hope. Do not give up. Uh, the telephone number for Restoration Life Center is in the show notes. Uh, we'll have those numbers there. You can contact us. I can get you in touch with Brother Jason if you would like to talk with him. I know he would absolutely stop what he's doing and love the opportunity to talk with you. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. So let's talk about that, Jason. What exactly is grace? What's grace stand for? And let's just tell everybody what your position is there. And you just go ahead and share that. Okay. So, uh, so grace is an advocate for recovery. We are a, a community hub for addiction and also the, the outlining of addiction and who it affects, which would be families as well. Uh, Grace stands for Grundy Recovery Alliance Community Endeavors. Um, we're in Grundy County, Tennessee, uh, Comont, Tennessee. Um, so what we do is we help people to get in recovery. We find a recovery center that is, is better suited for them, uh, as in, we don't force anything upon anybody uh, because what we're just trying to do is get them to open up their mind and be acceptable. And you can't, as much as I love God, I can't force that upon them because I know what it can do. Because they're usually, if they're coming to get help, they're in a very tender state. Um, but we we uh, we are faith based. Grace is a faith based uh, community hub. We also, uh, we transport people to recovery centers um, 
And then what we're really, our main goal is to bridge that gap of when people get out of recovery up here. Homelessness and jobs are a huge problem up here on the mountain. Um, there, there is none, pretty much. Uh, it's you have to go off the mountain or ways and then people don't have transportation. So there lies another problem. Um, you have a lot of people that do great. They go to these uh, programs and then they, they don't wanna leave home, which that's fine. But if they're coming back home to the same thing with no accountability, no housing, no transportation, no job, what would you turn back to? Uh, I mean, you can have every coping mechanism, everything in your heart, uh, love in your heart, but if the world will beat you down quick, and if you're going right back to that situation, it's, it's going to lead back to the same results. Um, so what we try to do also, we offer classes, uh, whether it be relapse prevention, uh, financial stability. Um, we have revivals, such as Brother Emery. He comes here, uh, and, and we're, we got one going on right now. And it's, it's the fire is coming down. The Holy Spirit's rolling, I can tell you that much. Um, we also are trying to start uh, PAL, uh, which is Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. Um, we see a podcast happening in the, new uh, in the near future with talking to, like I said, not only the addict, the family. Uh, there's so much scarring and hurt that goes along with addiction all the way around, not just the addict itself. Uh, sometimes more so the family than the addict, to be totally honest, uh, because, the, I mean, such a mother and father, they love you. And, and, it's, and they have to watch you slowly kill yourself. Um, and, and they feel, in turn, they feel helpless and hopeless. So, uh, so something that they may not have had, then we carry that weight that we cause that. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of therapeutic things. We also help people find therapists, uh, doctors, uh, work with Centerstone. Um, we work with the jail, transporting uh, prisoners that uh, are in the, on the work, workforce uh, at Benchmark. So we transport a couple of them there. Um, we also try to help them uh, find jobs uh, with, um, it's in Tracy City, it's a temp agency. Uh, they help out a lot. Um, but we, we all around, we're just trying to uh, better our community, uh, give more options to our people because I know I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have the people that, that took me in the accountability that they gave me and then staying around like-minded people, finding a church, you've got all these things can lead to a successful recovery. But if you don't have somewhere stable, those things just don't, they don't, uh, it's not going to work. Um, and I, I hate to be blunt, but that's, that's just the way it is. You have to have a system and that system is based around God. Um, now if somebody doesn't, uh, necessarily um believe in god or they're not a follower it's still okay you can come to us we're not going to force anything on you we just want to help you we're the helping hand and I, I mean honestly i can relate to you on that point because and that's that's a good thing about everybody that works at grace is somebody who has been in addiction themselves. so we can relate to you and i can also relate that not me not being a follower so i know what it's like but that doesn't mean that you can't have a better life and you know what I mean and just go take it one step at a time uh everything else all everything else after falls into place um and if you keep doing the next best right thing and you start seeking him there's nothing that can stop you because our God is a powerful God um 
and I don't want to, uh, like I said, with with the fact that we're faith based, I don't want to deter people that that necessarily aren't uh, believers yet because I love everybody. Uh, it don't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, because I, honestly, I probably done done something just as bad, if not worse. And uh, I know that I'm loved, so and you're loved too. Um, we uh, there's a lot of big things that are going to be happening with Grace. Uh, we are going to we're looking into getting some property off of the. The church that already um, kind of donates the building that we're out of uh, on 67 Old Highway 56, uh, Colmont, Tennessee, 37313. Um, they have some uh, property out there, and we are looking to, we have a meeting with their board. It's about five or six acres, and we're looking to, um, to maybe lease that or if they'll sell it to us. And build duplexes there for single-family homes and it would be $800 a month flat rate no changes uh, but they would have to go to classes at Grace they would have to uh, keep a job they would have to go have urine tests and stuff like that like there would be stipulations but those things are needed for a successful life and that that accountability there will turn what you saw as a as a criminal or you know, I mean just a drug addict that's no good for nothing into a loving father, a working husband, uh, a pro a, a prod um, what's the word for it? A productive member of society, as you would see it. And honestly, there's there's somebody that would do it ten times fold because they remember where they came from and they remember coming from nothing but pain, hurt, and just emptiness. And now they're taking that and they spread it to another person. They do the same thing and it's it's just a wonderful cycle and it's it's a cycle that can be easily done. We just have to uh, come together as a community. Uh, I mean, hence community endeavors. Hey Amen. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. If um you uh, and, and the show notes in the show notes will have all the information. But um, I'm telling you, if you guys want to give to something, this is the place uh, that you need to put your money. These boys are going to get things. I'm actually, we're doing this podcast here in Grundy County as we speak. And like Jason said, the Holy Ghost has just been absolutely on yes, fire. And we've seen people's lives change. On the back of Grace, where we have our meeting at, there's a board back there that if you could see would absolutely break your heart. Their names they're cut out like hearts on there of the people that have died from drug overdoses. Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but there has been 12 overdoses and two deaths since January of 2024. Yes, yes, sir. And not one more should be on that board. No, and that's not including ones that ambulance probably weren't called to because Narcan is pretty prevalent. People have it. You know right. Know, so. What, um, because, yeah, let me, let me tell, say this first, but if you guys want to give to Grace, um, the information will be in the show notes. Please, please, please uh, reach out to them. Jason, give them your number here. Uh, that way everybody's got it. Yes, and once again, I give you my personal number because this is a personal matter to me, anybody who needs help. Uh, it's 931-841-5185. Again, that's 931 841 5185. And they can reach me. You can reach me anytime. Message me, call me. And if I don't if I don't answer it, I promise you I will get back to you. (laughs) That's that's I put that on everything. 
Amen. I, and I can tell you, uh, Jason will get back with you. Jason, as we wrap up this podcast today, what parting words of wisdom do you have for everybody? I know this seems simple, but uh, is uh, you can do it. You you can do it, and you are worthy. Uh, we were just talking about earlier, and you were worthy. And and uh, forgive yourself. Well, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and I mean that it is. Hey Amen. That's where a lot of people fail in a lot of times, isn't it? They just can't forgive themselves, and it's, yep. it's it's really easy to do. Uh, Jesus forgave us. If we forgive ourselves, we can get on with the program, can't we? That's right. You said that right. <laughs> Amen. Jason, I want to personally thank you, uh, brother, for being on the podcast with me today. It's been a blessing, as always. Every time I get to come down and spend time uh, with you here in Grundy, it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing. The Holy yes, Ghost. Yes, it is. It's awesome. Right. So, but uh, I want to thank you. this whole mountain. Amen. Feeling the air. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, but it's been a blessing being like with you. I want to, again, thank you for being on the program with us. If you're out there, you want to give to a good cause, um, man, I'm telling you, uh, back these boys here at Grace because they're doing a good thing. My heart's with them. I'm doing everything I can to help them raise the money they need to get to the height they need to be at because they're doing good work. Uh, every time that Jason and I would schedule this podcast, something that Grace come up, which is a good thing, and he had to run to either Nashville or, or, or uh, Irwin, Tennessee or something, uh, that, you know, to get the boys the help they need because he's dedicated. Podcast can wait. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, again, if you want to uh, give, please give to Jason. We'll go ahead and rack up uh, this podcast. Jason, again, thanks for being with us. Thank and you. everybody, listen, until next time, may God bless you as our prayer.